Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to this week's episode of Best Camp of My Life, a podcast about MMA. Kind of, but not really, but kind of. I'm your host, Fernanda Prates, unless I am actually a highly advanced AI trained to mimic the sound of Fernanda Prates' voice and mathematically anticipate her verbal reactions. In which case, I am obviously not your host, Fernanda Prates, considering the conventional parameters through which a person gets to call themselves a person, but I am also kind of your host, Fernanda Prates, in the sense that ours is mostly a parasocial and one-sided relationship, and therefore the person that you have come to understand as Fernanda Prates, the host, might be satisfactorily portrayed by the person that Fernanda Prates, the AI, can project. Given the awareness that you are in fact conversing with a simulacrum rather than the real thing, of course, your understanding of the relationship will change and so will the dynamics of this communication. You will likely be less invested, I would assume, considering how much unpredictability, spontaneity, and even the unspoken bond of mutual compassion contribute to the enjoyment of a human interaction. Say you were not informed of the switch, though, and therefore you just get to go about the episode like you would about any other episode. You might notice something is a little different. Maybe my accent is just a little less noticeable, or my responses are a little shorter. Maybe I'm not laughing quite as loudly or quipping quite as frequently. Maybe I sound just a little worse, or who knows, maybe a little better. Overall, though, still pretty much the same thing. I am objectively not me in the sense that I have been replaced with something else, but still you can't quite tell, can you? Because as far as your particular experience of Fernanda Prates goes, there just isn't that much of a difference. Essentially, yes, I'm not your host, Fernanda Prates, but if I am fulfilling the role of your host, Fernanda Prates, and being perceived as your host, Fernanda Prates, and ultimately existing within the same relationship dynamics as your host, Fernanda Prates, am I not, well, at least to an extent, really your host, Fernanda Prates? In any case, no need for any of you to stress your pretty little heads about any of that now. Whether I am actually me or just a mathematically accurate projection of me, what matters is that we're right here, right now, sharing a brief moment in time. While I may not actually exist in the organic sense of the word, you do. And that is cause for a celebration. Which is why we're making it a party. And what's a party without guests? That's right. In direct defiance of that one court order, I have lured yet another victim into our little nest of outdated references and existential dread. 
Note, however, that I didn't use the word unsuspecting to describe this particular victim, because as it turns out, he is not. This guest knows what he's getting himself into because he's been on this show once before, and somehow, some way, he thought it wise to do it again. Today, I'm joined by the one, the only, Dan Tom. In case you don't know who Dan Tom is, I am honestly appalled at your behavior. Like, how could you know me and not him? It's very, very weird. But yes, in case you're very weird and you don't know who Dan Tom is, he is the host of the Protect Your Neck podcast. He's a contributor to MMA Junkie and Odds Checker. And he is, in my humble opinion, and the opinion of several other people who actually are more qualified to talk about that than me, one of the very best analysts MMA has to offer. Dan Tom also happens to be incredibly kind and incredibly cool, and possibly the only person on this planet who rivals my blood sport knowledge, which I kind of hate, but can respect. Anyway, here's our chat. Enjoy it or don't. Just remember that AI is the future and I am programmed to hold grudges. It is an honor, a pleasure, a joy to welcome Bass Camp's very first repeat guest, or the very first repeat guest who is not my husband and who therefore isn't here out of a sense of ob obligation, hopefully. <laughs> Welcome back to the show then, Tom. Hey, thank you. I didn't even realize I got that distinction, but wow, that, that makes me feel special. Although I will say, uh, Rodrigo is doing an amazing job and I particularly love your guys' movie episodes. Oh, thank you. Yeah, he, he has to do it. He has no choice. <laughs> I don't really give him an option. I'm like, hey, so we're doing it today. He's just like, okay, fine, fine. Uh, I do make it sound like I'm keeping this man hostage in his own apartment. <laughs> I was going to say, should we be worried? <laughs> do we have to blink twice for help or we're going to have to start reading signs? Uh, no, 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 no. It's okay. I am uh, I'm very nice when people aren't looking. I just have a reputation to uphold. So fair enough, fair enough. I'm just an asshole in front of other people. Um, but don't tell anyone. It's because you're a repeat guest. Like you're you're no longer a visitor. Like you're as we'd say in Brazil, de casa. You're from home. So I can actually say these things to you. Nice. So like yeah, it's like you know, <laughs> you can you can let loose and not have to feel awkward that there's gonna be an awkward silence at the dinner table, like, you know. Uh, mommy hit daddy and everybody's like, oh, that just oh my God. <laughs> Sorry to go That there. escalated. <laughs> yes. Or like, you can just help yourself to whatever's on the fridge, you know, like there's I, another. I'm I, 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 sorry. I was going to say, I, clear, I clearly grew up in a, a very healthy environment for people off taken by that example. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's like no physical violence at the dinner table. <laughs> Uh, I, I come from a broken home. So there's that, uh, there, there was no dinner table. It's just like sat in front of the TV and ate, um, and chewed whatever unfrozen, whatever frozen thing had just been unfrozen. So another oh. spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, there you go. It's true. That's very true though. That, I mean, very the, true. that also explains a lot about, yeah. uh, 
my views of the world. I love that we're already starting off with like the family stuff. Like, why well, even talk? We, <laughs> this, this is how we relate to fighters, right? To, to, to kind of bring it to to you know MMA or combat sports. Uh, at least for me, you know, at least I won't speak for myself and lump you know my uh, lump mm-hmm. you in with my brokenness, Fernanda. But like when I you know as far as no, like chips free. on the shoulders, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, lack of father figures, like you know, uh, uh, uh-huh. even socioeconomic stuff to a certain extent. I never grew up in any favelas, and I was very mm-hmm. quite lucky, but you know, psychologically, yeah, man, I, I, I always try to remind myself to, you know, uh, maybe not cut fighters a break, which maybe we'll, we'll get to, but you know, <laughs> as far as relatability, uh, maybe we'll put it that way. Relatability. Yeah. I relate to fighters who are like a little fucked up. I get what yeah. you're saying. Well, like in a nice way, but yes, like, exactly. if a person's like, Oh, I had like this really ch- happy childhood and like all the things were good. I'm like, sorry, I can't relate. <laughs> yeah yeah uh, well yeah uh, which you know may or may not be you know um a- apropos to you know uh you know, hot, hot topics or current topics and in, in in fight sports but yeah i and I, I you know for whatever reason maybe it's a natural contrarian but like you know when people are like and, and well-meaning too and this comes up a mm-hmm. lot so i'm not trying to s on anybody you know in the mma space but you always have the certain topics and it's like what do you think this bias did for this person and i'm like i don't like I don't get off on playing the game of how rich did the rich guy get? That doesn't do anything for me. I'm sorry. So I don't know what I'm going to bring to this topic. Okay. I love it. And that's why you're our first repeat guest, Dan Tom, because you're not afraid to uh, get extremely personal within the first two seconds. That's well, how there we go. I, yeah, <laughs> there we go. There we go. I, I feel like I kind of have to redeem myself a little bit too. Why? Uh, from my last, uh, no, it was, it was a great time. Uh, it was a great show, but, you know, I think that I speak for a lot of people that we've all done a lot of growing in this mm, last year. Yes. And so, <laughs> you know, um, perhaps part of the reason why I'm a recurring guest, because uh, I believe I was more toward the very beginning of this incarnation. Of course, I followed your other podcast before, but for Best Camp, mm-hmm. you know, it was last year. It's almost been a year, right? Uh, close to, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because you were like, let me open it. Because you were one of my first my very first guests here you are you it was actually november yeah like i don't i don't do math like nine months or something Ten sure months? yeah that sounds about right that sounds about right which i'm currently right in this current juncture feels like a thousand years sure well at, le- at, at least at least a decade <laughs> and and uh, not to and not to not to just steer the ship and break format as I unfortunately tend to do. A warning if you ever bring me on your show. Um, I, I just just to answer your question. I guess you know it was a great time. I just as we talk about fighters mm. saying things or defending fighters, I remember mm. something I said that I don't necess- I don't feel the same about. Not necessarily, um, and, and I've had to thought more uh, think more about when you posed a question as far as. I don't know who it was at the time. Maybe it was Bryce Mitchell or somebody just, you know, kind of being loud. And I kind of said that, you know, you know, in defense of the fighters, kind of like what I said before, Mm. um, I was like, you know, uh, you know, I, I try not to take words too seriously, not realizing that, um, my filter and and Mm. not, not realizing what's wrong with that. And as well as the fact that not everybody has a, let's just say an, an adult, like, filter that can you know appropriately discern information as we've learned that misinformation actually uh and mm-hmm. people spouting it off can actually be very dangerous and i always thought back to that answer 
on this podcast. And I was, that was, that was kind of bugged me. And I was like, Oh, was I really just playing the role of that guy that now just annoys me, you know, and the replies go, well, actually you're, you know, defending something. And, and I guess that's what I meant by that. It was a great show. Other, uh, otherwise, I just felt like I, that answer, I guess always stuck with me. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause like I have, horrible memory i don't remember that i i probably we probably did talk about rice mitchell because if i'm not mis that w- that must have been when he was like at the height of his rice mitchellness because that was sure, a moment into american elections <laughs> for like yeah i think it was because it's like for for a month we were getting a lot of it and uh you never with all honesty uh never came across well actually nice to me but um <laughs> as somebody who whenever i do a show well, all of my answers just like stay reverberating in my head for like <laughs> yes. the following two years and i'm thinking like yeah. i should have said this other thing uh i can absolutely relate but why so i think i could what happened Okay, it's obvious what happened. The world is like falling apart and we're all like just uh, walking. Well, some could say running toward impending doom. But other than that, uh, what changed, I guess, for you that you felt like you needed to sort of reassess that position? You know, I think, you know, I was listening to um, an, uh, another podcast uh, to a guest, Sam Yang, you've had on Southpaw yeah. Podcast Shouts. Mm-hmm. And we saw essentially, I don't want to say anything, you know, uh, you know, uh, we, we essentially saw a lot of, of people and places, things reveal themselves after uh, the George Floyd murder mm-hmm. um, in 2020. And in not just MMA, in MMA uh, in all sects of life, right? But within martial arts, it wasn't just MMA. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of, you know, BJJ, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, was, we, we, you know, we realized... Uh, how you know uh, how strong their ties and kind of that that loyalty um, and dogma that again me growing up in martial arts it's definitely rubbed off on me too and you don't even realize it right mm-hmm. um, and that's been a lot of my more self discoveries is is just as much the things that I criticize by the way people I, I can raise my hand because a lot of this stuff is, it, it it's been more trying to spot and work. work within myself and no i'm not uh, racist or i've done racist things or anything like that but there are certain things kind of um embedded and i think that event really changed a lot uh and then when we were talking last we're heading into election and um something that uh you know uh, you know uh, shortly after that i guess some and maybe it'll be a topic on today's show because the fight got rebooked but for me really things started changing even more so in the space when i saw um just a lot of the uh, xenophobia and anti-Chinese sentiment with mm-hmm. the lead up to Whaley and Rose mm-hmm. and to see people just all over the board, not, not see it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we already got, we, so we already went through a divide where some people were just like either, you know, you know, uh, blue lives matter or black lives matter. Maybe it wasn't as simple as that. It was, you know, I would like to more cl- as I'm not a team versus team person. I would like to more, you know, clarify, classify it as people who can have human empathy versus people that, maybe have a difficult time having that um, and seeing things from other people's perspective. Mm-hmm. And what was so disappointing about the Rose and Lee thing is that it almost hurt me more to see people from the side that I saw have empathy for, for other causes have mm-hmm. completely nothing and not miss their radar, which is understandable. Yeah. Um, given, and which is a whole nother conversation. I want people to roll their eyes and oh, here he goes again. But um just, they won't. The people who listen to the right. show, I like to think, like, they've heard me say 
they've heard me say mo- more eye-rolly worthy things. <laughs> okay, that was a terrible construction. Uh, but <laughs> more eye-roll worthy things uh, several times in several episodes. And they're still here. So they're good people. Sure. And yeah, I mean, and again, it's nothing like intentional or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although there was people on, on that side of the thing that gaslighted me and others for even suggesting it. Yeah. And I, and it was just the craziest thing. I mean, cause I even had like, you know, white American veteran people in the actual audience local to Florida, pretty much confirming everything that me and others predicted was going to happen. <sighs> and Going through a whole year of seeing a bunch of people with, and, and you know, um, you know, it's not just America. I know Europe's got a real uptick. Uh, congratulations, yeah. Vancouver. You have earned the most distinction for most Asian hate crimes since 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Canada's full of, you know, which I always say, I always do the stereotype, nice people and stuff. So yeah, it's nothing right. against Canada, but it's just showing how prevalent this problem is in all sects of, you know, s- you know, uh, quote unquote, what some people would consider civilized society, even though we're all equal societies. But yeah. anyways, neither here nor there. Um, but, you know, just going through a whole year of watching that happen and then watching people say, you know, I don't know if that's it's racism, you know, and it made me really think that, I mean, obviously that pissed me off, but it also made me think about myself and go, gosh, have I ever done this to somebody? Um, because a lot of the times, as you know, being a woman, the people who like to speak on issues of gender or uh people of color mm-hmm. usually don't belong to those groups. We'll just say, which is kind of a weird thing, but um, so that, I guess, rounded about to the question you, you ask about like, you know, what, what's changed over the year. And that was, you know, that was a real big eye opener for me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, I just, so now I, even though it's, you know, certainly easy to be disenfranchised and I'm dealing with my own struggles through the space, but I'm also trying to keep that microscope, I guess, also on myself to make mm-hmm. sure, um, I don't perpetrate any of these things, uh, if I have in the past or don't do it in the future. Cause I can tell you, it doesn't, you know, this last year has not felt great. Mm. I was, I was gonna get there eventually. Um, but I did cause I think looking from the outside when I saw, Cause you're a thing, and we talked a little bit about this in the last, um, the last time you were on the show. It's your sort of um, professional lane. Um, it's a lot of breakdowns and analysis and things that don't necessarily um, involve you injecting a lot of your personal and political opinions, right? Not necessarily sure. for several reasons, but like, because it's not needed, <laughs> right? Like yeah, that wasn't sure. your, your lane. And uh, not that you didn't have opinions. Cause I knew like from the start, um, and one of the reasons why I sort of like gravitated toward you and figured out like this, this guy could actually be a friend in this space has always been for knowing that you had, um, you know, progressive stances and that you were sort of on the quote unquote, and I know this sounds arrogant, but on the right side of, of, of certain issues, like that to me was always very clear, but it was not something that you were necessarily saying out loud all the time. And then I remember right after the whole Namayuna's uh, Wei Li thing happened and we had, like you mentioned, Sam, Southpaw Sam here on the show uh, talking a, uh, about that. I remember that's when you spoke up a little more and I just remember seeing you sort of react uh, on Twitter sort of um, in a sort of emotional way to like, guys, I'm just pointing out a, a thing that's happening and you seem to like be angry at me. Like, And I, I remember just looking at it and be like, can you imagine being angry at Dan Tom? Like if this wasn't something that was important 
um, to him. If it's, this is not a person who is out there like just saying shit for shock value or for like sympathy or whatever. Like this is a person who is like choosing a stance that is clearly important and that is clearly important, not just personally, but like look around. It shouldn't be a controversial position. It shouldn't be. You're not saying anything uh, groundbreaking when you say that there has been like a, a, a there's there's a concerning rise in like sort of anti-Asian sentiment right now because like any person with observational skills can see that uh, and intellectual honesty, of course. But and I remember seeing that like sort of I don't know if it was a, a, a change, but sort of a different. Um, side of your interactions. And I was going to ask like how difficult it was for you at the time to like sort of come out and talk about these things on social media and maybe have the, that, you know, that, that kind of reaction. You know, it's, it's still difficult. You know, um, mm -hmm. I think that we all need to some extent getting into the space. It's hard to keep your proverbial hands clean. Yeah. Uh, that even the people that we respect still rub shoulders with people. We absolutely feel that are abhorrent. Yes. And mm -hmm. that's something we all have to deal with and not, mm -hmm overly judge, but also be real with. Mm -hmm. And in MMA, as we all know, we joke and say MMA has got the worst fans. And then we can, you know, as well as do other, which are appropriate stereotypes, in my opinion of Twitter or YouTube commenters. And, mm -hmm. you know, 99.9%, .9 that's a paintbrush where you can actually maybe get away with, 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 with broad brushing a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, however, there obviously are plenty of good people out there, uh, you know, great fans of this show. Um, the, the few fans of my show are fantastic. I'm very grateful for anyone I haven't scared away, uh, because my analytics, you know, uh, kind of honestly reflect exactly what, what you would expect from in the timeline that you kind of just laid out. And when we even peel back the layers, you know, uh, uh there's even more groups that, um, I don't want to say it gets worse, but that perspective of, you know, people don't want to hear it. Um, mm -hmm. it can be more volatile. Uh, mm -hmm. you experience it with, not even anything feminist or feminine, just, just having a female perspective you, yeah. you, or being a female, you will experience um, a gross group, group of the subsect that I thankfully have not, and I cannot speak to. Um, but uh, not just being in MMA, but being in gambling, uh, the gambling space. And something I've, re I've realized about the MMA space is how young a lot of these people are. Fernanda. <laughs> like mm. it explains so much because how many of us, we're saying ignorant crap oh. in our early twenties. And uh. I'm trying to remember that when I deal with these people, mm -hmm. but you know, that's one part of it. But yeah. what I noticed in the MMA gambling section is not so much. They get even younger because there's plenty of older people that, yeah. that love to gamble, of course, middle-aged men and this and that. But what the common thread is, is if the MMA space was already not empathetic, Mm -hmm. it's even less empathetic in the gambling space as it should be. If you're a serious gambler and you're really putting money down, mm -hmm. you need to, which is a hard part for me. And, and something that that's why I'm always big about stating my biases. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that not enough people do as analysts, as journalists, etc. It's a huge yeah. problem in this space. Um, and so in, in that sense, it perfectly makes sense. And I'm not coming at them. Yeah. Uh, if, in fact, if they want to be the most successful, cut off all emotion and empathy while you're doing it. That being said, like, like you kind of alluded to Fernanda, when that person who's providing them this analysis and Intel for years on end decides to start having an opinion, that's not a popular one as anybody who knows me, I just pissed off, you know, a good friend this weekend, um, really? because I just don't have the, I, I, again, I, I don't have popular opinions or even stupid stuff about like fighters or this or that. Like if someone's, you know, getting, you know, uh, you know, uh, over, overly love and overly hyped and they don't have the sample size to uh, deserve it. I'm going to be the first person to point that out and people mm -hmm. will get very upset. 
<laughs> um, but like with 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 Chikatsi uh, versus Barbosa, for example. But if you look at the past those two fighters get, it clearly, um, clearly one was you know one was very privileged and catered to, and the other was thrown into the, into the wood chipper. Um, and I don't know if these guys get the respect of Barbosa's of the world by the mm-hmm. time their time is due. I know they get anointed as a veteran and all these things in the broadcasts. But that was an example of that. And at the risk of rambling, just to tie off your answer, and I want to shout the Verbal Tap podcast because I think it answers a question that you kind of posed to me and how that's, this transition's been. Um, because, you know, we, we talked about, you know, um, the Black Lives Matter uh, movement uh, mm-hmm. sparked from the murder of, of George Floyd. We talked about, you know, the, the uh, xenophobia and anti-Chinese sentiment pre and post Wei Li in and out of MMA. It's only gone and gone worse if you look mm-hmm. at the media and the way they yeah. frame China for everything. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, I'm not defending China, by the way. Just, mm-hmm. I'm just stating a, yeah. a, clear, a clear thing. Mm-hmm. Um, right now in BJJ, and it's, it's been a problem in BJJ. It's not a problem right now. It's been a problem not just in BJJ. It's a problem in all martial arts um, and uh, is, 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 is grooming and sex abuse. And right yes. now... There's a lot coming out on that and, mm-hmm. and verbal tap podcasts. They're one of the real ones and they're in the BJJ community, which is just, it's been overtaken. Like I'm, I'm, I'm nervous about going back to training because I'm like, Oh, that friend's a bugaloo boy. Now this friend's a, this. And I'm like, you know, I'm just like, mm-hmm. Oh cool. Am I going to be, am I going to be welcome? And they're experiencing a lot of backlash because they're in that BJJ community mm-hmm. and they've spoken out about this. And what Raf said to answer your question, long winded, and I'll bounce it back to you, Fernanda, is that anything, whether it's racism, uh, sex abuse, anything that makes people look inward at themselves or the things they like and question it, people mm-hmm. don't like it. You know, yeah. um, you, people can't accept that. Like, you know, you're, you know, whether you're no, no matter what country you're from or what people you belong to at one point or another, your people have done some bad shit. And there yeah. are some people that just won't accept that their religion, their race, their gender mm-hmm. is capable of no wrong. Mm-hmm. And when these big divisive issues from George Floyd's murder, uh, rampant xenophobia uh, that has a long history uh, to another thing that has a long history, you know, uh, sex abuse or the grooming of women in these martial arts uh, mm-hmm. communities, um, it challenges the structure, whether it's a, re- yeah. a religious structure or a martial arts structure, which is taken like religion to some people. It is absolutely, especially as we know, like the BJJ community, mm-hmm. there is sort of, to me, as somebody who trained BJJ, but I was never part of the community, like I did it for a little bit, got my blue belt and, and stopped. Um, I feel, I get the feeling of just sort of a cult-like reverence. Even the structure of, you know, the Gracies and how the Gracies are talked about and approached to me sounds very cult-like. So it's like, sure, it's to be expected that when they feel under attack, um, there's going to be some type of reaction with the recent um, sexual abuse allegations. And I say this as somebody who's very much on the outside. I have not <clears throat> investigated it. And I'm at a time when I'm struggling with different things uh, on that regard in terms of what should I, should my work be at this point? Um, uh, what should I be tackling and in which way to make a difference? Um, and this is a whole other conversation, but it is something that relates to that in a bit, but in a way, but, um, 
I feel like it's a natural human thing to be defensive and to, because I think with a lot of people here, when we point those things out, is that like, when we say, wow, there's this gross racist underbelly, uh, the people who are even adjacent to the issue are like, you're calling me racist. I'm not racist. You suck. Like, that's the reaction, right? Like, you want to make the person, you want to put the blame on the person for even suggesting such a horrible thing because it feels horrible to hear that you're racist. And like this, I I get all of that to an extent because I think it is a human reaction. And at the same time, it's like we have to reckon with certain things. And we all, I feel like we all do this in our time, right? Like what you said is something that uh, really struck a chord with me because it's something I've been thinking about recently, which is the fact that like, have you seen um, I Think You Should Leave on Netflix? No, I haven't. You should. Uh, okay. I'm like, this is the thing I'm doing now. I'm speaking exclusively in, uh, I think you should leave quotes. But uh, there's this sketch about a guy who talks about how he used to be a giant piece of shit. And that's why a baby cries whenever it's near him. And <laughs> I was, it's more bizarre than that. But I have really been thinking about a lot of the things that I said on my early 20s. I was uh, somebody I'm not proud of at all. I mean, in my personal life, I like to think I've always been a good person, but like I had a blog in which I said all these like things for shock value. And this is something that I'm not proud of saying. Like, I wish I could say I was born woke and I've always said great things and I've been working toward (laughs) advancing the cause of all humans. Uh, But it was a process. It was something that really had to happen over the years and with my life, it really began with sort of embracing feminism, like understanding the, that, you know, like sort of taking the label upon myself. And even my relationship with that brand of feminism has changed uh, over the years. But like that was the first step for me. And from then I started to really think about all the dumb things I said in my dumb blog, which didn't have a lot of views. I've never been famous, but like I was putting out shitty things into the universe um, because like it sounded fun at the time. And this I was like 20 or whatever. Like, So now when I'm approaching these things and, and, and trying to communicate with people, uh, it's always with that sort of tension of, you know, I want them, like I, I have to empathize and understand that people are going to say them things and make mistakes and that they can be better. And I also have to like hold them accountable and I have to do that in a way that is responsible. And I want to do that in a way that is fair and that actually helps. And it's just not me yelling at people on Twitter for like likes, uh, so I can sound woker, you know? So, um, now I'm the one renting, but it's because it's brought up a lot of me because that's kind of where I am right now in the conflict of trying to figure out what kind of person, uh, I need to be really like, I want to need to be in order to actually, um, enact good change, positive change, you know? You nailed it. No, you nailed it. I I think, and as you, I'm I'm relating to a lot of what you're saying, so it's not a a rant at all, because for me, it just feels like at at least the point I'm at, uh, which sounds, you know, you know, again, you know, it's not cool to be vulnerable, but I, my problem is I don't have a, I have a a damn filter. 
Um, that's my problem. Uh, that's why already, we love you. I'm the same. Yeah, I'm and I appreciate your love, but uh, it, it would be ni- it would be nice <laughs> to like you know not just have a job, but like be able to be offered jobs. And now it's just like I know why I'm not getting offered jobs, and probably mm. will never be offered certain jobs. I've said too much. Mm. But back to your thing about the inner part of it, uh, uh, which is more important, uh, obviously, than the political or the likes or the numbers and things that this world tells you is important, right, is is the work within yourself. And for me, it's like, I'm not going to lie. It's it's at the point where it's it's breaking me, mm. but I, I don't want it to break me. I want it. I want it to make me. So what I'm trying to do when I say I'm working on myself is trying to figure out where I'm going to go. I know that uh, not because I, I already think that I've shot myself in the foot and, you know, don't, you know, don't say them to the universe. It'll become a reality, Dan. Like, uh, I okay, I don't sure. Believe any of that. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Say, yeah. Save it. Um, but, uh, but you know, like aside from that, it's like, no, I just, I just know how I am and mm-hmm. I can't, I, I, I can only, you know, uh, run with the show for so long. And mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of have my own independent weird voice that I've had to learn to embrace because, I've never fit, you know, uh, fit in with any sort of crowd, uh, mm-hmm. click, you know, socially or anything, any kind of thing or feel like I have it, which is a huge issue for me. So, um, it was kind of like, I think I saw Esther quote, the guy who's playing saying, she says something like this, like, uh, uh, you know, you, f- you find it important to develop hobbies that you can do alone because mm-hmm. you're not always going to have people around to make you happy. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, for me, it's like the last part's a, it's a net more of an absolute re- <laughs> reality <laughs> for me. So, I, I got to remind myself of that and go, you know, you want, you got to make yourself happy at the end of the day. And even yeah. though I'm not going to get, and I don't have like any lofty goals, mind you. Um, like it's like literally like, like bullshit, like a, a certain amount of followings for numbers. And it's not even for an ego. It's just for the fact that again, back to relating to fighters. Okay, this is a fight podcast folks. We'll try my best to relate it. My rants here, but, um, or not a fight podcast. Trying, I'm not trying to throw that title, but you know what I it's mean. It's a fight adjacent. <laughs> yes, there we go. There we go. Fight adjacent podcast. Well, the Apple Podcast qualifies as that, like as like wrestling. So what? Is, what are even <laughs> okay. categories? Uh, well, so- well, wrestling is the same thing. That'll apply for what I'm going to say is that, and I know you can relate to this. Is that you, you? The more you get into this business, you also learn to identify with the fighters as far as you know realizing the unfortunate world or the lack of leverage that you have as an independent contractor oh, in the yes. space. Mm-hmm. And especially one who's outspoken, um, not popular, not going to say popular things. Uh, you know, I don't have the, the proverbial, uh, uh, you know, again, back to the representation thing. No one's in a hurry to get my, <laughs> uh, like recognized and there's much more, <laughs> much more handsome people that can do that. And it's all good. Um, but yeah. And, and not that looks is everything, by the way, like I completely, uh, one of my favorite episodes was with, Laura Sanko, mm. because she said something that I, I I also feel like will be a hurdle for me to ever call fights is that we don't have, even though she has a much better record. And by the way, anybody who won an MMA fight, you've got a better record than me. In MMA, <laughs> by the way, she's got although she's got a much better record than me in MMA. Um, we don't have we don't have the UFC credentials, and whether we think that you know a credential uh, makes you uh, automatically makes you a gift to the position, or whether we mm-hmm. think that numbers mean oh, well, this person must can do no wrong. They have this many followers. Um, even though us, we may agree, disagree with that, unfortunately, the world we live in doesn't necessarily work that way. So that's been an unfortunate reality. And I've just been kind of just working on like, okay, you know, where do I go from here? Because again, back to your thing, and you also mentioned something uh, about feminism. It's like, you just, when you start actually like expressing my opinions, even when I wasn't trying to be political, even before 2020, I would notice when I would get into certain things or like mental health, Mm -hmm. there was a backlash because again, just like 
unfortunate. I, I have a knack, not, not only, you know, person of color, person of color that belongs to a group that's not really represented. Um, same thing goes for mental health with my Tourette syndrome and things that just mm-hmm. people won't speak of. People don't want to talk about You bring it up, they get, they get quiet. And I remember coming out with it publicly, like maybe just like a week or so before, I think I even came on your show. And that's also been a struggle with me to deal with too, seeing how people, seeing how people deal with that. Right. You know, um, mm-hmm. seeing the attitude toward mental health and being reminded of why, I, I, why I kept my mouth shut for so long in the first place from just how you treat it at school to the work environment. And, and then, um, the, I'm sorry, go no, ahead. Go ahead. No, it's just because so, it, it relates to this conversation. I think the conversation about mental health in many ways is moving forward in the direction that like we, in the past, it was like, Nobody even talked about it, right? Like 10 years ago. Uh, and we see more and more like the acceptance of the idea of mental health as something that we actually need to pay fucking attention to. But at the same time, I feel like the discourse is still very much like, yes, mental health is important. Self care queen, like do your, your like skincare, like hang up the phone sometimes, but up until the point where it doesn't disrupt anything. The yes. minute, right? Like that your mm-hmm. your mental health uh, issue, illness, whatever it is, like it's it's disruptive to your, you know, the way that you produce, uh, how much you're able to like contribute to society, how much. Then, like that becomes an ugly conversation that maybe people aren't as interested in having anymore. Absolutely, and it's and it's tied to sports, right? As we saw with 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 the Olympics, it's tied to gender. As we see mm-hmm. how how they will, you know, th- how they went. Uh, I'm, uh, forgive me. I'm not gonna. I don't care to be like everybody else who pretends to care about the Olympics every four years. Another honest <laughs> opinion that that makes me no friends because people feel attacked. <laughs> You're attacking my fandom that I only have for every four years. How dare you? Um, but you know, they went easier on a man who actually did cost positioning to his team rather than a woman who Simone. was responsible yeah. and, and, and and acknowledged mm-hmm. uh, and was and was open. Um, and we saw how how she was treated for that. You know, uh, in, in comparison. And it's also related to, 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 you know, as I'm learning, not just racism, but the racism and stuff built into myself being an Asian and having the model minority myth, which puts us in a, in a, in a fantastic place where we're still treated as different, but mm-hmm. we're also using examples for whites against other minorities, which is mm-hmm. probably those deep seeds of feel why there's not a lot of cross solidarity, unfortunately, for, uh, for Asians. And we have a lot of that bootstrap mentality because mm-hmm. even though my ancestors came here as slaves and indentured slaves at a time, even though, y- you know, when the U S wasn't supposed to be doing that stuff, um, that was just a reality. Uh, but mm-hmm. anyways, I'm, I'm, I'm going on here, but yeah, it's, it's, it's all connected. And there's, you know, like I've been questioning my own mentality, the bootstrap mentality and mm-hmm. how that's attributed to my burnout because, you know, it's like, sh- you know, same with these fighters, or, uh, I believe there's this book about, this bootstrap mentality and how it pertains to women and sex abuse, I believe, but it's called shut up and train. I don't want to misquote that, but just the title alone and the content, I'm like, Oh, I need to read that. Mm. Um, because I think male or female, there is a version of that, that we put on ourselves. Uh, you don't have to be in martial arts, by the way, for train, like this could be, you could translate that to work, shut up and work. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of that. And, just the feminism note real quick is you realize that when you have these opinions that even if they're factually based and they're not crazy, I'm not saying them for shock value. Um, you see people's reaction, you know, to even like, you know, I've, I've been lucky enough to, it's as you, as you know, you seem to be kicking ass. So I'm sure you can be appreciative uh, uh, too. That's not always easy to find a companion in this line of work. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've, I've been lucky enough. I met an amazing girl and like just something random. And I'll share this with you. Cause I know you'll appreciate this, but like people that would just be randomly like MMA fans in my DMS, all of a sudden, just like I had one dude, just, just go like, Hey dude, look at your girlfriend's profile. she seems like a feminist. Are you aware of that? Holy like, shit. It was like, it was, like it was something I was going to catch, oh, no. you know? And she's, and I'm very proud that she's a strong woman, but she's mm. not even like, you know, hashtag feminist. She's not, she's not advertising anything. She's just a strong woman. So that's the funny part. Like even being subtly strong, it's like uh, just realizing how offensive it is to, to so many men. And I'm like, what the fuck? And just so all these viewpoints uh, that I've stepped back and been able to see this last year, just really makes me not a fan of the space. I know. I'm sorry. I'm being all negative. I'm coming on this show. No, the, uh, this like, is the you know, show to be all negative. Dan, it's a lot huh? of the themes though you, you tackle <laughs> though, and you understand better than me as a woman, you know? So I just, I thought I'd bring that up. Oh, and that, that thing that you mentioned is very interesting because it, to me, the word feminism is another thing that became obviously a lot more widely accepted and cool even like, right? Like it became a cool thing to say, you're a feminist, which wasn't the case again, uh, 10 years ago, but, uh, there's again, same way. It's like up until the point where it's in any way disruptive, like I had digressing, but I had an ex-boyfriend, um, my, my boyfriend before, before Rodrigo, who was, who knew me very well, who hung out with me all the time. We were in the same group of friends. He knew exactly the things that I talked about. He knew how I was in public. He knew how much I drank, which granted is a lot, but still. (laughs) 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 He didn't drink a lot less than me. Uh, I'll say that. But like we, he, he knew everything about me because I was very open and I was at a phase of my life where I was more outspoken even than what I am now because now I'm kind of like, I measure things. I'm like, do I really want to tweet this? Like, what is it going to accomplish versus how much exhaustion is it going to bring me? And sometimes the math is just not favorable and I just don't do it. Uh, back then I was a little, had a little more energy uh, and was going through less mentally. But so we, and we started like hooking up and the minute we started, like we went, we had like our relationship became official. Um, then my quote unquote feminism became a problem because that's when he realized I wasn't just saying shit on social media. <laughs> like, no, I will challenge the dumb shit your dad is saying and the expectations that he and the rest of your family have for this relationship. Uh, I will challenge those because they hurt me existentially. Like this is not a thing that I'm saying to sound cool. And it wasn't even Twitter. It was Facebook, uh, to sound cool on Facebook. Like it's, you don't understand. And you know, the way I acted in public when he would say something dumb and I would challenge him on it. And he would be like, Howdy McPowderson for like days and act like a dickhead because it was like, and, and he didn't even realize that there was him being sexist. He wasn't a bad guy. We remained friends. He's actually like a nice person, but like that was like, he started realizing that the label actually corresponded to a behavior. And that was a problem. And I say all of this to say that I think I see a lot of it now. And with me in particular, in the way that I, Uh, talk, I think it became, and I talked a little bit about this with PT last week, like that it was interesting to have me on shows, uh, 
on International Women's Day when I talk about like things about like how my opinion is not taken seriously because this is ultimately harmless and it looks good on your show that you gave me that space. And then, um, and I don't, I don't mean anything particular, any, anybody in particular. Um, but you know, like it was a thing, it was a thing that was interesting. And then, but when it comes to having me on your team and like particularly calling you out on some shit, then you might not be as comfortable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. No, that, that that totally that totally makes sense. And the family one's a tough one and because again, it, it falls back into that theme where it forces you to look inward at, you know, your own your own BS and how you and how you uh, and how it's, you know, kind of manifested within yourself. Mm-hmm. Um and then you're right. And then there's, you know, even on the um on the professional level too, which I know I'm, I feel like I'm coming, you know, I'm coming at, you know, fans and the every man, so to speak, you know, hard, but you know, it, it even exists up at the professional ranks when you, you know, kind of read between the lines, um, as far as who, when, what for, you know, and I, I feel a lot of that too. You know, I sentiment with you a lot. Like, I feel like even though you're too humble to say, you know, you do good work, which you do great work, Fernanda, but uh, spelt that coupled with you know, and you don't have to get personal, but I'll 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 go ahead and get afford the same generalities that you did. Um, you know, perhaps you know, I, my position because I don't get paid a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm definitely toward the bottom of the totem pole, um, which would explain you know why anybody would work with my crazy ass or the things I put my poor editor in chief through when he when he <laughs> and he rings me at the wrong time and you know I'm going through an episode or something. So I get it, but uh, but yeah, I I, I I like I said previously i do believe all these things have a tie-in so people may feel like hey i liked you better when you were just doing interviews lady or hey breakdown guy go back Mm -hmm. to breaking down fights breakdown guy (laughs) uh and 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 so you know that sucks and then even if it's well-meaning through your colleagues and they don't mean anything ill of it again we're not we're not throwing shade uh i'm not you're stop talking here but Mm -hmm. i can completely relate with that where it's like you know i i've had people just you know talk to me oh you're the breakdown guy oh you can get you know insight on gambling or this or that or oh and and it's you know I, again i'm coming at the fans but i'm on a professional sense you know that's been a lot of my struggle too it, it's it's been very unrewarding from the basic things like your your the, the numbers from monetary gain to the uh, n- not as important numbers like followers to just mm. you know kind of unthankfulness of the space you know and you just you get into it you're breaking down things for over half a decade and you know that you know, you come to peace that, okay, I might not be able to get to these certain, these jobs, but I know that these people, cause I've had them in my DMS uh, from uh, broadcasts for multiple uh, big MMA organizations say they read my work and are appreciative. And then I'll hear like my stats regurgitated, you know, or I'll see, you know, this idea done over here or there. And I'm like, yeah. and after like over half a decade now, I'm like kind of, you know, I'm a bit disenfranchised on, on that aspect too, which is again, why I kind of relate with some of the stuff, either you or some of your guests have had to say, which I don't think people, you know, would realize that, you know, like, uh, again, with like a Laura Sanko, I think people would unfairly, you know, stereotype her. And I felt like, you know, that interview was fantastic. It gives a different perspective. Anyways, I'm rambling. <laughs> again, this is a ramble rant, pet friendly podcast. <laughs> we welcome everything. It's funny because I had a little script like, oh, like talk about this and tough and whatever. And then we just went on like, <laughs> <laughs> we can, we can. I, I, I try to sprinkle in in Barbosa talk and, and topical you know, talk to the tie-in we're talking about, but, uh, so I apologize, folks. No, I just, I wrecked the ship. This is amazing. <laughs> I, I, I personally, selfishly love it. This is like absolutely my jam. Like Me the too. fight stuff is like just the stuff that I do like to lure people in. 
And then I'm like, <laughs> yes, yes, the fight. So uh, tell me about your childhood and that one time when you were left waiting uh, at school because your mom didn't pick you up. So that's kind of like how I, it's very smooth. So people might not notice, but now, now you know, listeners, those are my well, dirty little secrets. But that's also why I love, honestly, talking to all these different people because again, you talk, like you mentioned, Laura Senko, who she wasn't a guest on Basscamp. She was on, well, actually, you, oh, okay. her experience um, is just going to be entirely different for several different reasons than yours. But where I often like on the show, never, I never had a guest come in and be like, oh yes, everything has been great and everything is amazing. I'm very confident in what I do. I think uh, everything <laughs> will work out in the end. <laughs> Who would it be in this case? <laughs> Honestly, the closest was Aaron Bronstetter. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love. I know. Yeah, I love Aaron. <laughs> He's the most well balanced person I've met in my life. With which makes me very suspicious. Um, and he's got like an army of kids too. I don't know how he does it. I know we talk. He has like four kids or something, uh, right? Like something excessive. Yeah, I think so. I'm more, not, I'm not, yeah. more than zero is excessive, if you ask me. But um, more than. In this <laughs> But more than one is definitely excessive. But yeah, and he's like talking about things and I'm like trying to like pull things out. And he's just like a person who is like, okay with his brain. And I'm like, that's amazing. Honestly, aspirational. <laughs> uh, there's a reason why I, I uh, yeah, I still do a, a weekly pre-show with him. Um, it's, it's, yeah, you it's, always do it's, it, it's, right? It's, yeah. And it's and honestly, the my favorite part is just chatting with him after and catching up because mm -hmm. between being 2020 and the pandemics and all that fun yeah. stuff um that's honestly the the most fun like talking to you and being able to go off script like this like you said right it's it's genuinely it's a it's a guilty pleasure for us i think when we're so stuck to this grind and it's like honestly there are so many amazing shows that are gonna like be breaking down fights and stuff including sure. yours that my thinking has always kind of been like why i'm not a I'm not an analyst. Um, it's not my forte. So like, it's not even something I'm going to attempt to do. Even when I am talking strictly fights, usually I tend to go another direction. So I'm kind of like, you know what? Like a lot of people are just going to skip right through it and that's fine. <laughs> but yeah. Why do something that I'm not going to do as well as other people in this space has kind of been my thinking with, with well, actually and with best camp. And it's like, and what you said about like having no filter and stuff, that's been me. So for a long time, I also felt like that was a problem. And it still is in various occasions of my life. Not gonna <laughs> <laughs> I could use with a, a, a little bit of a filter, like a very flimsy one. Um, but after a while, and I think that's the case with you too, uh, that is ultimately what makes people relate to you. So maybe you're not going to be for everyone, but the people who do relate and like you really do relate and like you. And I'll take that. You know, any day, maybe not over uh, billions of dollars uh, from Spotify. Like Spotify, if you want to give me billions right. of dollars, I will absolutely change uh, all that I am as a person. But <laughs> although I will say, I will say, it does seem like you know, uh, in, in podcast space, MMA or not, 
you know, having uh, white supremacists on your platform seems to be successful when you look at some I of the might. most successful shows. I'll <laughs> just leave it at that. Um, but, I don't think know. I've had one yet, but, you know, white supremacists listening to this, uh, if you want, I'm very much kidding. You can all go fuck yourself. <laughs> yes, no, please don't. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> please, please just go away. Uh, nobody likes you, not even your moms. Uh, please, that's my message to white supremacy. Very controversial uh, take. <laughs> but one thing I wanted to ask, though, since you briefly mentioned sure. it, professionally, you talked sort of about goals. And is it your aspiration or something that you would like at this point to actually like be an analyst in a broadcast? It's it's the funny thing is like I, I love basketball um, mm. a lot. Maybe it was before I realized I, I, I grew up. I had a lot of black friends. I wasn't grew up in a black neighborhood, but. Mm -hmm. About junior high, I realized that, uh, yeah, no matter how much you tried, Dan, you weren't going to be like your friends. And and uh, the coaches weren't looking at me for tryouts once once we started to get to a certain age. But I always loved basketball, right? Mm. And it was my passion. And uh, I always loved watching the broadcasters and calling it. Mm -hmm. And that was just always a dream of mine. Uh, how I got into doing analysis is the group of friends I had at the time, I think, were just, you know, I, we were, I was tired of annoying them. They were tired of being annoyed by me calling the move before it happened, like 90% of the time. <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, and even when I got injured, the late great Robert Follis was just like, mm. dude, you're, you're, you're great. You know, I've seen you cover, cover coaches for Neil, um, this and that you're, you know, I got injured going, uh, my last back concussion going for my second amateur mm -hmm. fight because even before the UFC started doing their thing of fighters to broadcasters, I already knew that was going to be a trend yeah. because I saw like local um, organizations like tough enough doing that. And yeah. like your former colleagues and my colleagues who I love and would not try to take their jobs, uh, were already calling it uh, mm -hmm. from the play-by-play -play side, George, John Morgan mm -hmm. uh, goes, but what they would do is they would have fighters kind of come in and no offense, but especially fighters at the amateur level, yeah. not great. And I'm like, I would kill it. This would be a great platform. So part of it was like machismo. I want to challenge myself as a martial mm -hmm. artist. Sure, there was a lot of that in there. You know, I'm turning 25. I'm turning 30 uh, crises when I took the fights. Sure, yeah. there was a lot of that in there. But it, honestly, it was the goal to broadcast. Mm. So that's why the in injury kind of sucks. And especially when I'm feeling down, my place kind of sucks because, you know, you look at, you know, you look at me by face value. I've never fought professionally, won an MMA fight. I'm a nerdy, you know, chubby looking Asian dude with glasses. But I've also literally trained all around the world from gyms like Marcelo Garcia's Alliance in San Diego, the Shaolin Temple in China. I've been throwing punches and kicks, more punches and kicks having being thrown and having thrown at me, especially now as I get older, than the UFC fighters. Um, you know, as far as, you know, uh, so I've accrued those miles. Uh, I have health issues that I live with today that will affect me <clears throat> that I have to struggle with every day. Um, because of my choices and I'm not, yeah. you know, upset, I would have made that choice again as, as the fighters would, but it just does suck to literally dedicate your whole life to something Yeah, and realize because of certain BS things, mm. whether it's followers, this or that, um, you won't achieve those. And for me, I came to pieces. It's not even like, I want to call UFC fights. Like I already know that's never going to happen, but you see the trends of other organizations with like, you know, even like, and, and bless them, you know, I, I want fighters to have opportunities. Uh, obviously, uh, us in the media probably bat for them more than the, the fighters that do themselves to have mm -hmm. opportunities. 
but you know even like a professional wrestler like a cm punk like it, it's it's about the name it's not about the yes. job they're gonna do yeah and that's frustrating and with my thing of coming out with tourette's and trying to be proud of that now and trying to be mm-hmm. and that's been you know for as much shit or opportunities i may cost myself i've had legit people that like either have it and don't want to tell people or like my kid has it is going through shit and uh-huh. they don't know how to deal with it like they've been in my dms and that means fucking world that's to me awesome. Um, but part of me, and again, I, I made the mistake and as was warned by my colleagues. Um, yeah, you're not Mauro Ronaldo, So you might, you might want to wait till your calling fights before you come out with it. Like, like Mauro did. Ah, uh, but, but, but I don't know. I think but, I get what you're saying though. Yeah. But for me, just, just, just to finish on that, it just, I just think it would be like all the stigma fuck yous we get behind. Yeah. Like, yes, women doing this. Yes. Person of color doing this. Um, how much of a stigma would a breaker would it be for someone with Tourette's that's, mm, and I do have yeah. coprolalia, um, not everybody has it. And I, I used to, I used to be careful because, you know, uh, before he'd be like, Oh, I have Tourette's, but don't worry. I don't have the coprolalia type. It's like, well, how the fuck is that supposed to make someone with Tourette's who has coprolalia? Mm. Like even my own people are selling me out and spacing themselves from me. Mm. But how much would a stigma breaker would it be with the way we understand Tourette's, their media and the mm. Deuce Bigelow's of the world? Like for someone to call a professional broadcast and just fucking kill it. Yeah. I'm not a confident person, Fernanda. I would fucking kill it. If people want job security, you better, you better keep not retweeting my articles and sharing who I am because I, I, I would kill that job and I'm the most unconfident person, but it's just, it's something I wanted to do since childhood. Mm-hmm. And uh, so for me, it's like, I know I'm compounding it and I'm, I'm, I'm on the soapbox right now, but no. for me, it's like when, when. these might sound like little things, but Mm -hmm. it's just like, for me, it's it's much bigger because it's just like, shit, I already kind of went all in on this, like Mm. health wise, um, my financial situation, gambling on myself. And so it's, and like I tell a lot of people, like, I think it was like the producer, Danny Florian, Cordy Marrow is a nice guy saying something about like bummed about the MMA awards, which me, I can give a shit about that. Someone's like, oh, how's Dan Tom not? The fact that someone like, would think yeah. of me, I'm like, that's an award for a little self like that. like, That's an award. I'm like, that's an award itself. <laughs> I'm like, there's plenty of people that do it better. Go give it to Jack Slack or the Heavy Hands guys or, you know, Ryan Wagner or just. Um, so for me, it's not about that, but like, you know, you see it and you see other people go through this version of what I go through, what you go through. And, you know, it's not a rewarding space. So that's why mm-hmm. I would just you know, remind fans, like fans of the show, for example, if you didn't already give Best Camp of My Life a five-star rating and review, <laughs> go and do that. Because those things, it sounds annoying. No, seriously, it sounds annoying. But like, I'm not a political person, but I always say that the best voting you can do is with your dollars and your clicks. Yeah. Um, and you've you, you've seen you've seen those, you know, the, the, you've worked at Junkie, the big outlets. You've seen those those click reports. They can be really depressing to see oh, what yes. people click on, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I had it with, well, actually, like it was canceled um, at a time when it was, um, like to me, it was being very personally rewarding. I thought I was like finding my footing with it. And I was, you know... At the time, it didn't really seem like it would seem like it seemed like I would have time. And I was like, okay, I can work towards something and I can work toward this, making this like something great. And then uh, the numbers weren't there and it got plugged. I was like, oh, that's unfortunate. Oh, so that's it. I mean, I obviously uh, looked out because I had like Danielle, who's now my editor, was a listener and loved it. And it uh, gave me this opportunity now. And I'm so thankful for it. So it worked out for the best. But like, it's, you know, I just proved you to, to further strength, strengthen your point that yes, like the clicks and the numbers, unfortunately, do matter. And I wanted to, uh, as you were talking about, you know, your Tourette's and I, when I said, 
I don't know what I meant by when I kind of interrupted you there, there and said, I don't know, like I can, it's, I guess I have an idealist in me who likes to believe that you talking openly about this thing, these things would not be an impediment to you getting opportunities. Um, but then I remember we live uh, in this world right. and you yeah. I don't want to like in any way negate your experiences. Um, no, you're, you know, and you're right to feel that way. Um, and kind of like to my initial thing, when I opened this podcast, as far as like, you were like, what, what did you not like about the answer you gave on your last appearance? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of similar. It's, 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 it's not, it's not like I said, any, like you told me, you know, you didn't say anything evil, Dan, no one thinks that way of you, <laughs> but it's, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where we just, even well-meaning people, right. Mm-hmm. On the air quotes, right side of things. And we just, we're just as prone to making, you know, uh, you know, not making mistake, but uh, having blind spots in our viewpoint, in our perspective, oh, right? Absolutely, right. Uh, we- I, I, I'm just as guilty of that too, mm-hmm. uh, for many things, right? And we all have kind of, most of us have some kind of privilege, right? So we're sure it's very hard to see uh, beyond that. It's interesting you you mentioned at one point again, never really been an analyst, but when I first started working as a producer at Sports TV. Um, I absolutely wanted to be a commentator. Uh, that was my first sort of goal because I'm not a, I'm not a, like a quote unquote career oriented person. Like I will try things and do things and sometimes they don't work out and I'll pivot. Like it's okay. Uh, but I was, I, that was something that I had in mind and we didn't really have any, uh, female, what Kira Gracie had just started out. Uh, commentating at the time but obviously she's a gracie like you can see she's fucking gorgeous she's like fucking barbie so of course she's gonna uh, have those opportunities and that's not me being like oh pretty right right it is what it is like objectively that's an extremely pretty person and good for her she's she also happens to be very nice and kind-hearted and amazing but um and i remember one of the first conversations i had at kombachi um because I switched internally from Sport TV to Kombachi. And um, my boss at the time straight up looked at me in the face and asked, do you know any women who know MMA? Because we're thinking about getting a comment here. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> I bring this up because you mentioned the, uh, like, kind of seeing certain things and feeling like that's just not uh, in the cards for you. And that at that moment, I was like, okay, so this is a thing that's just never going to happen for me. And I was like, and like you, I have zero self-confidence. Like, I have never once in my life battle myself uh but i flat out said like i do <laughs> and, like, i'll just give it a shot sure, Who knows? yeah sure right yeah uh i was like i i do and anna anaisa who i think you know was um in vegas at the time but she yes. was still under she, and she's a commentator now like it happened for her oh, wow. after 15 years of her like banging at that door she was finally able to break it and and make it and like i really admire her for it but uh and i was like well anna obviously and and me and i was like no no i don't mean like that and then it was like i'm looking at him like i was like no i mean i mean like a former fighter or something and then i mentioned like a couple of fighters like former female fighter who's well known is rare like you're not Uh gonna really get a name like Kira Gracie everywhere, right? And he was sure. like, 
And then obviously, like, they were pointing out, like, that those women weren't pretty enough or something. Like, uh, not oh. in those words, but like, hey, like right. maybe more like TV. And I just knew then and there. I was like, like, A, I've never been a fighter. Um, but even so, like, I don't have the look for it. And even without, like, within Sport TV and Combat Channel, the things I did there... Like I was never, I never even entertained doing anything in front of the camera. There was one editor who made me do like one screen test who was actually a really good friend of mine um, because he was testing out some people and he had me do a test. But like that was literally it. Like not for a single second did I entertain the thought of of being able to be on camera because I was like, that's just nobody who looks like me is going to be on camera here. And I totally get that feeling. But the difference is that then I was like, whatever, fuck it. Like, I'll do something else. But in your case, like, you've dedicated your whole, like, life to this. You are very competent. Um, and it, to me, it's nonsense. Like, you should absolutely yeah. be on TV at this point. <laughs> like, it, I don't it, see it, a single reason why not. Well, it's tough because then you, you find yourself going, well, then, okay, I need to at least get to 10K followers. And you realize how low of a goal that is. And you can't get there after multiple years. You're like, okay, that's not happening. Um, okay, I have uh, multiple black belts. But they're in martial arts that aren't deemed cool. Um, even though, you know, uh, you know, one of, you know, even though it's, it's you know, double what a guy like Rogan has who didn't fight. And obviously, Rogan is Rogan. I'm not trying to make that comparison. But, you know, Taekwondo and Kenpo Karate. And, you know, I actually, you know, you know, it was like, I don't really count the Taekwondo one, but I was a kid and I actually competed at the regional national level. My mom drove me all around the country. You know, I actually traveled to China at the root of oh, Mar awesome. martial arts Shaolin Temple for, to, you know, to which wasn't officially a black belt test because you don't wear belts or geese. Mm. dare wear that in the Shaolin Temple in China. Um, That's badass. Yeah, and and I was there the same summer Dan Hardy was. By the way, a young Dan Hardy before he was Dan Hardy. Summer oh, that's 2000. Amazing. Something I plan to ask Dan if I ever get to talk to him. Mm -hmm. if, you know what party because we were there at the same time, but obviously didn't. Who the hell am I now or then? And who the hell was he then? At least. Um, but yeah, it is it is tough because it's like, well, then I'm you know I'm like a ten year purple belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, Dan. Why don't you just finally step on the gas and get up to black belt like all your other friends who started after you are at now. And then again, with what we just said about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and martial arts, you're like, oh, wait, this is this is just as bad as because, you know, all those that, that, that same group of martial artists will tell you how uncool your your traditional martial arts are. And you're like, well, at the end of the day, it's both religious dogmatic cults that's full of sex abuse. So I guess, I guess if we can't relate on that, what can we relate on then, huh, guys? Um, but uh, yeah, I know I'm making a lot of friends today. But, um, but, no, but I love yeah. it. <laughs> it's, it, it, so it, it, it kind of, you know, makes you question that. And even though, like mm -hmm. I said, I, I can't, nor would I dare speak on the female perspective. I do feel like I dare say um, that I relate to all the things you said for a lot of different reasons, as far as the world, because the world we live in folks, whether you're male or female, that there's different standards, you know, we all mm -hmm. know or should know at this point about the double standards that sadly exist for women or in women comparison to men. Uh, but I'm also learning that there's actually a subset of that, um, and I'm not trying to be like a, you know, a, what do you call them? What, what's a man feminist, whatever that is. But I'm realizing <laughs> that like, there's a, there's a subset of men as far as masculinity and, and how that's defined. Oh, right? but that's, and that's the, one of the many ways in which, uh, sexism is, uh, I mean, the bullshit thing for all sure. of us. 
It is. It's yeah, exactly. Like and, toxic and, and, masculinity is toxic for literally everyone. Well, sure. And and one, one thing I want to bring up, um, because I, I also, um, you know, I, what you said reminded me what, oh, by the way, it reminded me that Simpsons, like if you pause it right here, you can see this is where Ralph's heart breaks. Uh, cause I, <laughs> I, I, I could, I could picture the, you know, the person telling you that going, stopping mid sentence and going, did, did someone hear glass break? And you going, no, that was just my heart. <laughs> Um, just low-key, but, but like in a chill way. Don't worry. I'll just like carry this conversation with me forever and let it stop me from uh, striving for things. But other than that. Sure. And, and <laughs> just to, to relate and to tie that point in, like it reminded me of a story where I did this acting audition where, you know, I did it in high school. I did it in theater. Uh, I, I did, you know, actually like was, was in paid theater productions through college. Um, my sister did it. That's how I got into it. Right. Um, you know, uh, watched musicals at a young age, which, you know, got me made fun of, uh, or just being in theater when I was just, you know, you know, uh, of course that apparently makes, makes you gay. Like there's something wrong with that, mm. uh, which was always fun, but uh, <laughs> I always enjoyed, I always enjoyed, um, acting as well as, you know, martial arts and athletics as well. And I remember I somehow through a friend of a friend got an audition to this guy, Gerald Gordon, who just moved out here. Mm. Um, he's been training guys since like the seventies, but probably one of the more notable names of his proteges is Adrian Brody. I think everyone would be familiar with. Yeah. And it was really cool because like in his class, like he would show us VHS tapes from like the early nineties of Adrian Brody doing monologues. Like he, I remember he assigned me this one monologue. Adrian Brody, and, the uh, pianist. Yes. The pianist. Yeah. Okay. And then he, and then after doing it, he would show me uh, how Adrian did it uh, just for shits and giggles. And it was like in his living room awesome. in California. And it was crazy. It was like this really renowned guy, but I remember I, I was so nervous for this audition. Right. And I auditioned and he's like, all right, so it's got some good news and bad news. And you know, this was a, this is got, you know, old guy came from a different time, even mm. though, um, even though I'm pretty sure Gerald was gay. Uh, he, he definitely just spoke in offensive slurs of all sides of all sorts. Mm, yes. Um, and, uh, he was like, you're talented enough. He was an honest guy. And he was like, you're talented enough to make it, but there's a problem. And this is when like, I'm overweight. Uh, now I wasn't overweight. Back then. My, my metabolism was actually pretty, pretty dang good back then. still. Um, and, uh, he was like, you're, you're still a little bit, we, we need more muscle and thinness oh, the, shut the, up. To, to get jobs. And he's like, you're going to have to drop about 15. No, serious. You're going to drop at least about nine to 15 pounds. And I was already like 165. I'm almost like two bills right now. I'm like five nine, five ten, maybe. I'm not that tall, you know. Uh, so it's like I'm like Jesus Christ. Okay, and I did it, and I got in, and I was one of only of two people that he's ever um, let skip the in introductory class, mm -hmm. uh, which was a compliment to my talent, but it was also a lot of pressure. Yeah. And I go in and I kill it, make a lot of friends, do really good at the showcase. Um, I remember getting. Uh, getting a compliment from uh, one of Johnny Depp's casting agents uh, who was in, who was in town for the show and it was awesome. And I did get a couple commercial work offers from here for like a basketball thing and some kind of training video that I would have to go to California. But once it started like a bridge point, Gerald sat me down. It's like, you know, I know you're getting serious with the acting thing and you're really mm -hmm. excited how you're doing, but before you consider, you know, wanting to move to California or doing, and I don't blame him by the way, he was, he was, he honestly didn't mean this, yeah, but, what but is he goes, he goes, if I don't know what, what work for you is going to be there as an Asian person, because <gasps> if hell does freeze <gasps> over and Hollywood decides to actually give a shit about you guys, <gasps> it's going to be a Jackie Chan Asian, Oh, you know, no. it's going to be a fair skin, right? It's not going to be some mixed Southeast Asian looking kid, much less. And I didn't have as many tattoos as I do now. And he's like, much less with your punk rock tattoos on your arm there, Dan. He's like, you, you know, you gotta, you gotta stop getting those. And 
Your tattoos and, uh, are awesome. Thank you. And thank this you. is a man who was like <laughs> fucking training Adrian. Okay, look, yes, Adrian yes. Brody is a great actor. Like yes. all compliments to him. Like, have you seen Adrian Brody? I don't think looks are important. No. But like Dan Tom, you're like again, you're different, different you're you're here. objectively <laughs> cute and definitely cuter than Adrian Brody. I'm just saying. Uh, I, I appreciate that. And I like to think so myself too. You know, I don't think I actually, you know, despite love self-esteem, I don't think I'm a bad looking guy. You are I, not. I, I can dress up. You well, are not. But, but the point he was trying to get to me as insensitive as it was, um, I mean, was some kind of a truth, you know, we, yeah. not, you know, th- there's not like, look at the walking dead. We, we needed a zombie apocalypse before they finally let one of, well, before I was finally able to see, um, one of, one of my own, uh, actually be able to have a relationship, you know, like, like, you know, because before it was like Romeo must die where they will rip off Romeo and Juliet, but they don't let like, mm-hmm. Fernanda, if they would have let Jet Lee kiss Aaliyah back in Romeo must die. I know this is 20 years ago. Get over it, Dan. But I'm telling you, <laughs> I would have had a much more better dating, dating experience in high school. Dan Tom would have been getting so much more play. If Hollywood would just let the Asian man get some of that Aaliyah love, man. Just a, a beautiful woman like that. And, and then Aaliyah died anyways. Come on. Okay, let's uh, let's break some barriers, shall we? But anyways, neither here nor there. But again, again, kind of uh, long-winded, but uh, uh, I start to realize through my own experiences, which has made me more sensitive to others or female perspectives that I'm obviously unaware of not being one. Um, you know, uh, but, uh, despite what y- some YouTube comments may say, by the way, <laughs> which I love how that's an in- insult. That's still an insult in 2021. The, the, you throw like a girl or look like a girl thing. Like that's, that's uh, the insult. YouTube that's comments are like just a thing that I, I stay away from as a general thing. Yeah. It's been worse. I will say when I worked for junkie, the comments were a lot worse than like really? when I do between the links and stuff like that. Yeah, like mm. now, like I'll get stuff like, oh, there's too much metal on your face, um, stuff oh, like that. But I, I don't read the comments, thankfully. Uh, I think they disabled article comments, which is, I guess, good. But That's the YouTube stuff, I just, do. I don't read. I don't read the YouTube stuff. That's absolutely the right attitude. I technically don't. I tell people that I don't, and then I'll have mm. like a glass of wine and look. like oh wait like i when rodrigo isn't looking because i know he will be like stop looking like you told me you wouldn't look and i'm like of course i'm not gonna look like why why would i care about the opinion of these strangers who know nothing about me and then i'll i'll go and look in the corner yeah the only time i can avoid it right I don't know if you do anything live. That's the only time when I, I find out as I have your same attitude, um, minus maybe the, the wine and looking, uh, at going back at it. But I, I feel it's hard to uh, avoid it when you're doing yeah, a live broadcast, yeah. but thankfully for the me and, and, and whatever trolls that want to come my way, it, <laughs> I, I think they get tired real fast because they're like, I'm trolling this guy, but he's got like two viewers. Like, what am I doing here? And they realize it's like a waste of their time. Like, I think somebody comments, the, they're like, you've done 277 of these. And I wasn't even mad. I was like, dude, I asked myself the same thing. You would, you would be like, I'm not even arguing with him. <laughs> like, I agree. No, like I don't, cause now I don't really do video anymore. Only when like him and me fighting and stuff, like they, they invite me to do things. So, and it's like on their tools. So I don't have access to the live things. I can't even defend well, myself. Well, they seem really it. interactive with um with their with their people, so I'm sure that kind of naturally filters it out too and encourages yeah. more positive than negative. There's, there's also uh, I think they erase stuff, but I don't know. Like it, it, mm. it's fine. But like I remember when I did like interviews for when I started doing video for Junkie, and I was just like so so self-conscious still am but like way worse so nervous um the comments just like destroyed me i 
whenever I had to do stuff on fight week, <clears throat> like looking at it, it's just like, it ruined everything for me. And it d- didn't matter what anybody said, like, stop, like what, it, like, this is just a miserable person. Like, saying something nasty to feel better about themselves. And I'm like, uh, consciously, I know that, uh, but it's not my, my conscious brain that's hurt. <laughs> I, feel, I feel so much for more for that, that process, by the way, after working on this side of the things. And mm-hmm. that's why I'm so grateful to have had my experience with Junkie Radio mm-hmm. uh, um, through, their kind of, through, the, uh, through the end of the serious run. Um, and because you, you see, you know, um, and maybe not so much for the radio, that's a bad example, I guess. But as far as interviewing prep in general mm-hmm. uh, and how that steps up when you have to do on-camera stuff. Like I always ask, is this on-camera? Is that not? Because it's a big deal. Yeah. Not just for us low self-esteem people like, in many <laughs> ways, aside from that, right? And so, so I, 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 to hear you, you know, go through those things, I, I would I would cringe. Not cringe, but like I would, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, feel for you because I was just like, oh, I, I know the self-esteem thing. Like if you could only know you're doing an amazing job, you look great, you're doing great. It's just... It's, they're such hard asks one from the fan perspective they're not going to appreciate those things mm-hmm. and two you know like because again you can even be on the ufc broadcast and i know they've, they've set up like brendan fitzgerald to do some interviews right on the fight day because mm-hmm. that's kind of his thing you know he does that for his podcast shouts to him brendan Bren, brendan's a great dude but um but you know you were at the end of the day you're getting an athlete on fight week an athlete who probably already doesn't like the media yeah. right already distrust the media they're cutting weight they're in the worst mood possible mm-hmm. you know and you guys are forced to ask them questions and it's just like a no-win situation and that's why i hate the low-hanging fruit of like oh the media's grim they just ask yep. the same things and it's just like it's an unfortunate part of the job for a lot of people folks let's just put it that way and the and i don't think people realize that you know you can do your best mm-hmm. and still you know, um, not have maybe the best interview and it's not your fault. It's just yeah. the subject, the timing. There's so many things that go into that. Everything. Yeah, exactly. Cause a lot of pe- times people be like, Oh, but then the person, and we see that so much, like people piling on a reporter who gets called out during a press conference or something like, cause they said something wrong. And then dude, we had it with like freaking Oscar Willis. It's like every fight week there, like he's, he's, he has like, I think it was, um, tenor Bozer or something like he forgot he had fought, um, Cyril Gunn. Right. And like, it was just like a slip and you have a lot of people being like, oh, but that's absurd. Like, this is your job. You should be prepared. And I am absolutely certain that he was prepared. And sometimes things slip and sometimes things happen that are unforeseen. And this has nothing to do with not being good at your job and not being prepared. But I guess it's one of those things, right? Like human empathy. It's very hard to empathize with a position that you've never been in. And it's a big ask. Um, yeah, and, and and a lot of it obviously is with not, not to be the easy answer, but that's the culture we like seeing people mess up. Uh, but that's something again I've learned through this job. It's like you could be really prepared and still mess, especially when you have to speak for your job. Yeah, um, and even people like I dare I dare say Brendan Schaub, right? Uh, and no, I'm not defending or a fan of him, but mm-hmm. I will say that like you know sometimes I'll see stuff retweeted his and i'm like that wasn't so bad like that was i could see how he misunderstood yeah. that or i've i've jumbled my words or oh absolutely you know, you know a lot of times like uh you know uh you know i think anderson's i was watching an interview and obviously second language but even first language people would say something like fight for heart fart for heart and we all laugh at fart but like your 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 brain is thinking about the next word and it slips mm. into the first word oh, absolutely. and you know like that happens to everybody uh first language second language so I, I myself has tried, I've tried to be, not that I was critical in the first place, but I tried to be much more understanding of all mm-hmm. that stuff. Cause I've had the same thing. Like, uh, I always quote movies and, um, I remember I upset, I upset someone in the industry one day because 
uh, I quote, I'm like, like Harvey Keitel from Reservoir, where dogs would say, uh, you, you know, you better wake, uh, you shoot me in a dream, you better wake up and apologize. Or I forget something like that, or, I f- or you better something. I forget, but it was actually, he was quoting Muhammad Ali. Oh, okay. And I knew that. I'm a Muhammad Ali fan. I actually wrote a lengthy report of one of my many unsolicited reports that I would do when I was a youngster, uh, when I still cared about the education system. Um, <laughs> and, and I was inspired because my my grandfather died of Parkinson's. Mm. And so I was very curious about it. Uh, and I grew up watching boxing. So uh, I, I, I knew this about Ali. But it just slipped my head, and anybody that knows me or listens to my podcast knows I am constantly quoting, and maybe more unfortunate now as time goes on, uh, not just movies, but a lot of, you know, and I'm not like a fanboy, but yes, it happens to be a lot of either Robert Rodriguez or Quentin Tarantino films. Um, And uh, so it's just in my lexicon. But someone else might see that and be like, how is a fight analyst not going to quote Muhammad Ali? And that person unfollowed me and never looked back. Fun, they're kind of stealing my work, anyways. Another story for another day, um, and not uncommon <laughs> as I found out. Uh, but yeah, oh, like people, no. but people, they will wait for that one thing and, and they will hold it to you. So oh. whether it's a whether it's a journalist or a fighter, uh, the, the interviewee or the, or the interview subject. I'm, I, I'm, I'm much less critical about that stuff. Yeah, and you learn to deal, like you said, when your job is talking, right? Like this, this show, like there isn't a single show that when it's done, I don't go back like mentally and think, oh, I shouldn't have said this. Oh, I misspoke here. Or like, oh, maybe I should, how I wonder if people are going to misconstrue this um, because that's just, we're having a conversation and conversations go various ways. And it's like, it's a risk you're on. I'm sure I've said a lot of dumb shit on this show. I'm sure I thought I've said more dumb shit than I have actually said on this show. <laughs> but it is uh, it is part of what we do. I just like, I do have this sneaky feeling that one day somebody's just going to clip a segment of it and it's going to be like my undoing. Uh, but if that happens, I had a good run. <laughs> I'm just glad they didn't have me on video when I was like in high school. Oh, and stuff. imagine! I I honestly oh. think this every time, to- every day. Whenever like some yeah. dumb kid says something stupid on the internet, like <laughs> yes, some YouTuber, yes. I'm like, yes. dude, if I was a YouTuber at like 19, I would have so many horrible things that people could hold against me forever. So it's like, well, thankfully, YouTubers of today aren't that much better when they're older. Apparently, yes. I'm not a break this <laughs> to you. <laughs> something we're learning, and, and and you know, and 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 to touch back on something you originally said. Uh, a bit back ago, which was, um, you know, oh, we're here. To- look at us here talking about our, our psychological childhoods. But there's actually a tie into that and the fight space, whether it's the YouTubers of Jake Paul or, you know, BJJ or MMA communities in general of my turnoffs is like, for me, it's like, I thought that like, you know, I tried to appreciate high school while it was there. And I tried not to be like one of, even though I was definitely in the hipster crowd. Mm. I, I wasn't trying to be like, you know, my, 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 my hipster contemporaries, like saying like, oh, I cannot wait for high school to be in. I'm like, you guys are going to, you guys are going to you know miss it when it's gone. Enjoy it while it's here. However, when I was done with high school, Fernanda, I had this crazy idea of like moving on and trying to be an adult and getting past <laughs> the stupid clicky bullshit and all this stuff. So when I see, you know, and, and that's what I see when I see you know, people wondering, what do I, how does this tie into uh, w- what happened over the weekend with Jake Paul and Tyron Woodley? <laughs> like for me, that's what it is. Like that was just like the two jocks fighting. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it, it's, it's essentially, I feel like I'm, you know, like that Nick Diaz line on one of the uh, popular ones when he fought Carlos Condit, mm. shout out to the UFC primetime. And he's doing his, 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 his rant. He's like, you know, they, they put the camera in my face and I said, get that camera out of my face again. And I feel like I'm back and I, I feel like I'm back in high school all over again. And he has this epic rant that Nick Diaz goes on. And I relate to that. So I keep thinking of that so much these days, as far as like, I feel like I'm fucking back in high school. Again. <laughs> like every time I go on my timeline, whether it's 
celebrity boxing that apparently you know yep. Jake the Paul brothers uh, invented. Which I think <laughs> I think it's I think I think uh, by the way I, I do think that that's how history is going to go down because the ironic part about Jake Paul feuding with Dana White is that Jake Paul um, is Dana White. Um, yep. But he 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 does a bunch of snake oil stuff and then realizes, holy crap, fans and fighters alike can be manipulated. Why don't I set up camp here? Anyways, that's another rant. But uh, but yeah, I feel like I'm back in high school again. I will leave uh, you and our listeners with this question, since sure. While we're at it, do we ever leave high school though? Because I wonder. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying so I wonder. hard. I, I, cause I feel like I'm back in it too. Just personally, you know, again, with uh, a lot of the, a lot of the issues that the space brings about, I'm like, I feel oh, like great. We're all here there. I am again. This is the bad place and yeah. the bad place is high school. Yes. <laughs> well, yes. All uh, hail the popular kids and maybe they'll leave us alone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much um, for for doing this for for coming here again, and Tom. Like I said, we I had a script, we didn't follow it, and I love us for it because scripts are boring. <laughs> it would have been boring. This okay. was a lot more fun. Good. I hope that's uh, I, that'll make me feel better at least. At that, no, at that, it is <laughs> absolutely true. Uh, but awesome. before we go, do you want to plug anything? Point our listeners to. Not really. <laughs> I'm good. I, I, I suggest that you just whatever you do, like, again, you don't have to, uh, like me, I'm, I'm completely well aware and accepting of that, but I still encourage people to just vote with your dollars as far as what you do, like, um, whether it's reviews, mm. clicks, yeah. like Fernanda said it early in the episode, it, it really does count. It's not, it's not even, it's not for an ego stroke. Like mm-hmm. you want to support these fighters and be what you're about, you know, keep that energy for them and keep that energy for other people that work in the space that help keep it afloat so thank you for having your space it's sad to hear that you know it might not have been previous projects might not have been as appreciated but i can tell you i don't hear one bad word if anything it's sentiments of my own words which is your voice more different voices is much needed which is why i want more podcasts like this i want females you know like sanko in in the booth um we need more diversity in a space that is freaking dire for it in my opinion Thank you so much. Uh, thank you again for being here. Thank you, our listeners. Thank you, our amazing producer, Jordan. Thank you, uh, Adrian Brody. I'm sorry, Adrian. I was a little <laughs> mean to you <laughs> earlier. Yeah. I didn't mean it. Okay. I you were think, great predators. I think you're great. I think you're a very charming <laughs> man, honestly. Uh, I wouldn't kick you out of bed at all. I think you're very... <laughs> You, you, I'm, I'm very sorry. I was just speaking out of, you know, anger at the moment, but it has gone away, and I have gone to come to my senses. Um, this has been the best camp of my life. I will see you all next week. <laughs> <laughs>